0: Now that we're two rounds in, it is time for another episode on the Gallagher Premiership. There's a new voice for everyone at home in the form of digital editor Nick Powell, and we're joined by Bath and Scotland Centre Cameron Redpath. Okay, a new voice for everyone at home. It's our digital editor Nick Powell. How are you doing, Nick?
1: Yeah, not too bad. How
0: are you, Oli? Good, good. Podcast debut, it's good to have you on. And we're with Bath and Scotland Centre, Cameron Redpath. Hi, Cameron.
2: Hello, how are you? You right?
0: Yeah, I'm all right. How are you? Yeah, very well, thank you. Tough physical game against Sale at the weekend, all the more so, well, I guess because you're just coming back. How are you feeling?
2: Uh, yeah, a little bit sore. Yeah, as you, as, as it always is, you know, Sale physical a physical side and... Um, and as you said i've not played a lot of rugby so it's um body's just still getting used to it a little bit but yeah all good injury free which is nice so um just a tough
0: tough one on the body when you've not played a lot of rugby for a while how has pre-season been? Obviously, it's nice just to be back into the fold, isn't it? But everyone's talking about a quiet revolution at Bath. Um, yeah,
2: you know, it's been really good. Pre-season's been really good, and the the setup here is really good at the minute. Obviously, we've we've lost our first two games, but it's not. We're still so early into our kind of, as you said, revolution. So it's it's good and and and, and really positive, which is which is nice. We've uh, we've got a lot of work on which we know,
0: but we're in a good place, and um yeah, pre-season's been really good. And you took a strong Bristol side, very very close. I think a lot of positives will have inevitably take, been taken from that. That spring may have been sort of quashed a little bit to lose to 14-man Sale and obviously the injuries to Sam and Benno, who, I, as I understand it, Benno's undergone surgery, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is Sam having an op as well? I think
2: so. I'm, I'm not 100% sure. He's he's around the place and he doesn't seem to be had surgery yet, but he, um, I think he might have a little... Um, a little issue is just getting sorted, but they to wait a while for, for all these um, these things to be cleared up first before you get yeah. it. So I'm not 100% sure, but um,
0: yeah, I think so. I guess one thing the sale game highlighted was potentially a lack of, or you you guys struggled physically, for example, at the set piece, slightly outgunned with injuries to Benno and Sam. Has that been in the discussion in the in the post game fallout? And not, not not really in like individual
2: things. It's more I think we just
0: we just didn't switch
2: on at certain moments, which we should have done. I think we got shocked early with the. I think we got shocked by the red card in a sense, and we just didn't turn up physically in some aspects, and you know, little things that just are given in rugby where you just switch on, and and I guess when you go down to 13 minutes or 14 minutes, sorry, sometimes you can you can end up performing better than than you think, and um, we just played it into their hands. We made errors that we shouldn't have made, and then it helped them out, and they just didn't go away from their game plan. I think we fought because we were down they were down to 14 we needed to change our game plan to to beat them and it ended up backfiring and we went away from our game plan which is a killer so um yeah it's not necessarily an individual thing i think as a team we just didn't we didn't show up we took ownership of that and you know lads and 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 you know everyone here we we had a big uh, hard you know conversation on um, on monday and you know back into into the training ground going for another big game on, on friday night against wasps so um yeah a bit tough but um we know what we did wrong and, and I guess that's, that's what the coach is here to, to change this year, which is, um, which is undergoing now. So it's, uh, yeah, it looks good.
0: We had um, John Callard a few weeks ago on this podcast. He'd obviously just come back in as bath kicking coach. Have you done much work with him?
2: Yeah, I, I, he was at sale with me as well. So I've known JC for a good, Well, he, he, he was, um, <clears throat> he was kind of doing bits and bobs when, when dad was coaching at sales, we so knew dad quite well. And then um also, when I was playing at Sale, he was there. So he's the kicking coach there. So he's now come in and he's also I live with Tom de Glanville for a year and he's Tom de Glanville's godfather. So Jason okay. for a long time and I've done a lot of kicking stuff with him. I've always been when I was a kid and stuff, I did a lot of got kicking and stuff. But as I got older with all the injuries I've had and stuff, it's kind of limited a little bit. But I still like to do a lot as as much as I can, and and JC's been somebody who's um who's helped me out a lot. There, he's he's a, he's a great kicking coach.
0: Forgive me for not knowing, but have you ever placed kicked in a Gallagher Premiership game? Uh, may yeah, have that sale. I missed yeah. it. Zero from Having one.
2: Both from the touchline, I missed them both. I think. Oh really? Okay. M Cup, though I'm not 100 percent sure.
0: Can't be blamed for that. No.
1: About sort of pre-season and stuff. Um, yeah. In between end of last season and the beginning of this season, what was the mindset like in the squad? Was it during the, that period off, was it everyone just wants to have a break, get away from it for a bit? Or was it, you know, raring to go, wish you could be out there starting pre-season as early as possible?
2: It was a bit, um, I think it was a bit mixed. The boy, For me, I was ready to go, but I didn't really have, have much of a time off. I um so I was ready to go I obviously missed all the last season pretty much so I was just wanting to play and 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 get as much training and games under my belt that I, that I can ready to go for this year but a lot of boys I think needed time off it's weird like you think playing rugby and doing your hobby is 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 physically draining because it's sport but you you forget about the mental drain of it losing every um or oh, a lot of a lot of weeks out of the season last year is tough to take and, and um even when I like for me who wasn't playing, it's it's tough to be in a in an environment like that. And and obviously everyone at the club no, no one wanted that. And it was just to be in a situation like that. And you get in a run of it when you're when you're losing, which is um which is hard to get out of. And I think lads at the end of the season needed just a couple of weeks away from from it all. But then we were very excited about what was to come because we'd heard brilliant things about Johan brilliant things about all the you know all the coaches coming in all the snc coming in all of the physios coming in all of the the nutritionists everything and um i guess when you've had a season like you did it's kind of like right like let's go again we start again and then you don't really want to have time off because you just go right let's make those wrongs right but you also need time off because if you don't get time off you end up getting yourself in a spiral of oh we're in this position again oh no oh no and like oh this is so stressful and it, it can be tough and I guess the reason, the way I've looked at it is, for me, I didn't play much. But for me, it was my mental battle was more, how do I keep myself positive in uh, a rehab sense? So for me, like I had a tough year last year. I wanted to get back in, but I knew I had to get a little cleanup at the end of last season. So I didn't get my, my holiday, which is terrible to take. Everyone wants a holiday. And I had one week away, but how do I be positive about that? And for me, it was more just take my week away and make the most of that week and then come in ready to go. Um, and I think most of the lads were like that. We're really just excited
0: to get back going, but needed a little bit of time just to regenerate and and get ready to go again. I think for me, Bath is a club that screams excitement. I think you're obviously very to your roots. There's not a club that's so tied to its city like Bath in the premiership, in my opinion. Now, one thing that excitement doesn't necessarily bring is confidence. And I guess I'm wondering how confidence by Johan van Graan, who, you know, been there for a couple of months, how he's planning on reinstilling this confidence that will help recapture the imagination of the city of Bath.
2: I guess there's there's a when you go from one coach to another, you have to learn like new systems, a new style of play, a new way of of playing, and and when you go from the way we played last year, where we we probably in some aspects were maybe a bit loose at times, played some good rugby at times, and we just we needed that little probably a little extra bit to just win us a few games. We were so close so many times. So I think what what Johan's come in and, and brought is just right. Everyone's on the same page. That's all we need to start with. It'll take time, it will, because you can't go from bottom of the te- a bottom of the league table to instantly becoming favourites or winning everything. You just can't do that because at the end of the day, everyone, even the people who won last year, are still working to get better. So we're on a fresh um, slate, I guess is what they call it. And it, we're just trying to learn the way that he wants us to play, the way that it is, and, and the clarity of that in pre-season was, was, brilliant, was brilliant. He also understands the city. And he wants to be a club that builds the city and builds a connection with it, which when we win, it'll be an amazing place to come. It'll be an amazing place to win at. And that, I guess, builds a belief that you want to play for the city. You want to win for this club and you want to win. So... Yeah, it, obviously we haven't we haven't done that yet, um, but hopefully this week Friday we'll we'll get our first win of the season and it will be the start of something. And, and as I said, when you get in a, in a run of winning stuff, it's just the same as getting in a run of losing. You are like addicted to it, and you I guess you wanna you wanna win, you wanna keep doing it, and you get in a run of it, and, and it, it can sometimes be massive. So yeah, it's early in the season. We've we've lost two games again. We played uh, we should have won Bristol, uh, and last week we, we should have won, but we gave it we gave it away ourselves. So yeah, Johan's brought a um, just a, a new excitement, I guess, to to the place of a bit of clarity, a bit of confidence, and, and and just backing us. And he's on the same page as every one of the players, and that's
0: I guess something that's uh, really important. Slightly thorny question, but and forgive yeah. me for asking, but in terms of the Bristol game, obviously you mentioned last season that there were so many games which you know were five pointers or below. Bristol, particularly two pointer. Yep. And I think it was Luke Morahan's try, if I remember rightly, where there was no TMO. Yep. And there was a Bath player sort of held down by a Bristol player in the build up to it. And it may well have been ruled out had there been a TMO on it. Given what happened last season, do the sort of ipso factos there bring back some sort of, okay, here we go again, you know, that sort of mental weight.
2: I, I don't think so. I think it's um I think last year when you're in a run of games and you've lost a couple, it kind of does go like that you know that oh, it's easier to to say oh this is happening again oh this is what we do again because you're in that run this season it's different we're in a we should have won that bristol game regardless of what happened with the ref what happened without tmo you know it was a couple of missed tackles that caused a try here or there it was a, a mess up on out of you know like, like little things like that it can be a missed tackle a miss kick a miss uh, a drop ball little things like that and we've got to take accountability of that and in a new system, a new structure, we can't go looking back to last year because it's a different, different place. It's a different club. We've got a different coaches. We've got different way of playing. So no, it, I wouldn't say it brings anything back from last year and go, Oh, this again is, I wouldn't say so at all. I think it's more just, we should have won that game because we were, we shouldn't have messed up in, in certain aspects. We should have just held on a little bit longer and, and, and you know, been, better in in a sense. So yeah, no, it's I don't think it's I don't think it brings anything back from last year.
1: Yeah, I was just gonna ask uh quickly when you're talking about those kind of runs, run of defeats that you went on, just a kind of a quick note on on Bath support really, because I think the fans were kind of remarkably spirited through the whole of last year. And did you not feel that like last year, for example, there was no unnecessarily unnecessary pressure being put on top of you and and Sort of, have you got a note on on their support throughout this period where it's been quite difficult?
2: Yeah, you know, like a lot of the Bath fans were brilliant. Uh, obviously, you, every year, every no matter what, even if we're winning our games, sometimes you do get those people who who say the bad stuff and you know give you a bit of hate here and there and and stuff like that, especially on on social media these days. But um, now the Bath fans, majority of it. Like I, I can guarantee you that. Majority of the other premiership clubs, if they went on a run we did last year, they wouldn't have had sellouts most weeks. And we do. Yeah. So the city is an amazing place. It is it is an amazing city and it's an amazing rugby club. And if we can build on that, then there's no reason why we can't go and push more. And and if we were winning everything, imagine what it could be um at the wreck and, and, and in the city of Bath. It would be an amazing place. So I think everyone knows that and everyone wants that. Um it's just about restarting in a sense pressing that restart button, which we've now done, and rebuilding every step by step and not expecting it just to happen. So it will come. We believe that as a, as a club. And I do believe that the fans believe that as well. And I think, you know, it, it must be tough for them. to we'll come in, you know, every week to watch us in the rain, sun, you know, even the cold. It, it can be horrible sometimes. And to, to come and watch your team and not perform, it, it's annoying. And, you know, we'll do everything we can this year to be better than we were last year. Um, and i'm no doubt that we will do that so um yeah it's 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 nice to see that we have a loyal fan group who always come out and show up and you know there's 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 certain fans who who even for me being injured all year i'd get regularly them come up to me and talk to me about how how my injuries do and it's just it's so nice to to have so yeah it's it's a, it's a brilliant place it's a brilliant part of this, the world to live in and a pretty brilliant, brilliant club to be at because as i said the support is 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 nuts we get sellouts when we've you know, had a, uh, our worst season in, in the history of the club, we've still got sellouts. So hopefully this year um, we'll get sellouts and we, we'll we'll be winning every uh, every home game, hopefully,
0: from now on. It's nice to have that image as a driving force, isn't it? I suppose, in that, you you know, don't get me wrong, you guys play for each other on that pitch, but to have yeah. such a strong, loyal contingent to play for off the pitch, and you can have the thought of Bath returning to the glory days of the 90s. I guess the thing that would also come from that is having a city, you know, Singing Bath's name up in lights, and that image must be incredibly yeah. motivating.
2: No, definitely, and it is something as well. Like I, I'm unfortunately, I wasn't one of the ones through the academy at Bath, but like someone like Max and, and Tom De Glanville Orlando, and you know Miles Reed, all of those boys who have come through the the academy have, like, it's it's their it's their home in a sense, and obviously for me, it's my home, and it has been it has been for the last three three years. So I love it. I know that obviously last year was tough and stuff, but it. There's a lot of positives out of it. We learned a lot as a young group. Um, it also helped, you know, the likes of Max uh, Landy, you know, even Deeds, who played a lot before. Sorry, Tom de Glambo played a lot before, but him to play another, you know, 20, 30 games that season, which is brilliant. So, um, yeah, and I think for them, for, for me, I love seeing how how they have grown up. They used to come, like Tom, for example, I live with him, as I said, and we were watching games back when we were, like, you know, and he was there in the crowd supporting Semester Rocadaguni scoring in the corner and there's like photo of him in like his his buff shirt as a kid and it's, it's just quite cool like to see that so it is cool and it is a, it's a, as I said it's an unreal city and if we can get it right here it'll be um,
0: I reckon it'll be one of the best places in the world to, to, to play rugby. Going back to um, what we were saying about yeah Max Ajomo, Miles Reed. Orlando Bailey, I think you're quite an interesting case because you've obviously, you've been at Bath since, you came to Bath when you were 20, right? Yep. And you're a very similar age to all of those guys. And obviously they have come up through the academy and they maybe have just that, that natural tie to Bath that you don't quite have to the same extent. And I know your dad played for sale, you played for sale, maybe that was more of a natural link. Just talk about your relationship with those guys and how it has helped create a genuine sentimental feeling towards the club i wouldn't say it's necessarily just
2: you know seeing how those boys are i guess once you play for bath and you see what the wreck's like on a game day and you experience like driving from your home to the wreck before the game and it takes you an hour instead of 10 minutes just because of the traffic and the people there i went from coming from sale where Man United and Man City are the biggest things to come into Bath where rugby is the biggest thing in, in the city and like you see more people walking around in a Bath shirt than you do in a football shirt and I remember at Sale we could do anything we wanted and you know, no disrespect to Sale but the AJ Bell was a little bit out of town and, and you wouldn't get 16,000, 14,000, 15,000 every week, you'd get maybe on a good day maybe seven, 8,000 so yeah it, it is an amazing place to come every week and, and as I said I found it so cool how People like I, I saw a little lad run around with red path on his back, and I was thinking, what? The, who wants my name on the back? That's weird. Like, and then like even like grown men walking down the street, and like in my neighbourhood where I live, and he's wearing a bath shirt, and I'm there like, wow, this is pretty cool. So like for me, like little things like that just made it cool, and I guess again, without a football club in the like near, it makes a big difference, and and makes it feel like rugby is the most important thing going on on a Saturday. And it, it is really cool. And I guess Tom, you know, Landy, Oge, uh, Miles, I'm very good friends with all of them. So to see what they that their passion is, especially someone like Miles, Tom, and, and Oge, who have like Landy's from Dorset, so he's a little bit different. But those three have lived in Bath their whole life, um, or around here their whole life. So to see their passion for it, it it makes it makes it, you know, makes me want to push a little bit harder just to make them get what they saw as kids. Uh, and and if they can, if we can achieve it all together, it would be pretty cool for for myself and for them as well. Just because it's been their their dream since they were like you know two three years old, watching their parents or watching the, the boys at the at the rec play.
0: Final question on Bath, and I'm asking you to stick yep. your neck out a little bit. Just a two games in, a little prediction for the season. I
2: think we'll be good. I think we'll be uh, we're finding our feet at the minute, which I think is needed uh, just to find it. And I think we'll be. I don't think we'll struggle at all. As soon as we get a couple of wins under our belt, I think we'll really push on and, and, and be happy.
0: Could you see yourselves plausibly challenging for playoffs?
2: Um I'd like to think so. I think top six is probably easier to 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 say that's where we'll target, but I don't think we'll shy away from top four if, if we get there. But I'm not going to say that just because of the season we had last year.
0: Yeah, well, even though I'm not a Bath fan, I can say that a premiership with Bath near the top, it just, it feels right, you know, so... Yeah, hopefully exactly. we will see that uh, later this season. Nick, you're not a Bath fan, are you? No, I'm not. That would have been a bit of
1: a a, um, a a bit of an arrogant question to talk about how great the bar fans were last season. If I was, but <laughs> no. but yeah, no, I think I think I think it's certainly in the first couple of games, very very promising signs for Bath.
2: No, exactly, and we've got a lot of youngsters coming through, which uh, who have learnt a lot. And I guess losing a lot of games last year is never nice, but if you're 20 years old and you've learned to lose like that, imagine what it can do for uh, to be in a situation you can't really get much lower. So, um, yeah, you help the you know the young lads, especially someone like Orlando who's been a ten in a situation like that, and he was one of the shining stars of last season for us. So, if you put him in a, a front uh, a pack putting you on front foot and and uh, a winning team, then you'll see uh, a magical young ten, I guess.
0: And yeah, you're absolutely right. It builds that resilience, doesn't it? And Yes. That's a nice note to move on to the next thing I wanted to talk about, which is you and your injuries. First question with injuries. Yep. Give me the full list. Okay. As in little ones as well. I don't know all of them. Well, um, keep in mind that the podcast needs to be limited to an hour. I'll
2: I'll, I'll keep the big ones out. Just did the big ones then. So I've had um, first one out of school. I had, well, before when I was at school, I had my labral repair on my shoulder, which was only, three months but it was like a a little fix-up keyhole one on my shoulder then I came out of school in 2018 and did my ACL a lateral meniscus in my left knee the following summer I had a lateral meniscus repair again on my my left knee again and then I came to Bath COVID happened and it was probably the best thing that happened for me because I had a whole like another little rehab stint in a sense where I just got my body right had a year when I was fit a year and a half maybe and then my Scotland debut, I had a bulging disc in my neck for six weeks, building up into that. wasn't really aware of what that of what that was or what that caused until the day of the game. I couldn't do a press up in the morning and I had to, um, I didn't tell anyone because I was scared I'd be pulled out of the game. And it was a big game and there was a lot of pressure in the papers and stuff about it. And I was playing against, you know, one of my good friends, Ollie Lawrence, in the centres and all of this. And there was, obviously, I'd done England age grade stuff. So there was a lot to, to, to pull out of for me. So I didn't. And it didn't affect me ridiculously at all. I just couldn't push off that hand, but I just carried the ball in that hand, so it was fine. I was out for 10 weeks then. Then came back, maybe 10 games left, played about eight of them. Then two games were playing sail at the at the rec, sorry. And I did my ACL in my right knee, which was uh, about seven and a half months. And then I came back, and in my second game against Leinster at home in the Europe contest, I someone landed on top of my head bulging disc in my neck again, the same one. Um, and this time I had an operation on it. And it was, again, my, my, my last Scotland game against Wales was when I realised that it was dodgy again. I didn't actually lose pain, sorry, lose feeling this time as much because um, I caught it just in time. But um, uh, it was a nightmare. That was the most painful injury I've had because it's just constantly ache. It was like toothache going down my back and in my arm. Um, so I had surgery on that. Could have got back fit for the last two, three games of the season last season. But because of the year I'd had, they were just saying, like, just take your time, get right for pre season. And then turns out in training in the last couple of weeks, I ended up needing a little meniscus cleanup in my knee. So the end of last season, I had uh, a little cleanup in my knee, which meant that if I got it done the last, sorry, the first week of the off season, I could have been right and ready to run for the first week of pre season. So I decided to have my one week and then. After that, for that one week of my off season, I had my up the day I got back, uh, and then I was in for the first preseason day. I ran on the first day, and from then on, it was all good. So I, I managed to play both preseason games, and then I'm at the stage now where I'm
0: uh, I'm fit and I'm. One question I had about the sort of the highs versus the lows, and it does seem like there's a very clear narrative here in terms of yeah. the, between the England Scotland game, which yeah. I would hazard is probably the best day of your life, or or certainly certainly up there, and the sort of Almost Aristotelian narrative between the the injuries and the comeback trail. So, can you talk about how you dealt with the contrast between the sort of the high and the low, or lows plural that followed? Yeah, so it was
2: weird because my neck, my initial one after my debut, I it, it kind of all, it went really quickly that that injury because I didn't have an operation, I had an injection, and it went really quickly because I was back fit within eight weeks, and that was like for me one of the shortest injuries I've ever had ever had. So. It went really quickly and I think because I was still on that high of winning that game and playing well, it was kind of like, oh, he will be all right. Then I came back, played all right again, started to find my feet again, and then did my ACL. That one was tough. That ACL was tough just because of I felt like it was when as soon as something started going well again, it was kind of like, right, let's chuck another big injury at him and see what we can do. So that was tough, but actually weirdly got this gonna get quite deep quite quickly because but weirdly that injury was tough for a week and then one of my actual one of my good friends passed away like I mean, he had he he got he was on life support machine the weekend when I did my knee uh, and I didn't know about it till three four days later so I guess that kind of put everything into perspective for me and I was like oh my knee's not really that big of a deal at the end of the day like his family he had a younger a younger sister who had a mom and dad and a younger sister so he was they were kind of just without a brother anymore and yeah. I was only had I only couldn't walk for th- like two weeks and then six weeks after that, I had my shoulder done. And then his funeral was just kind of like that week. And I had COVID I got COVID from his funeral. So yeah, that was a tough six weeks, but I kind of all just put it the whole time. I was just trying to put it into perspective from other people's point of view. So I kind of made myself think that like it could be a lot worse. And it, it helped massively because it made me think really positive about my whole rehab stint. And yeah another young lad got his, he did his ACL at the same time and he kept asking me uh, like, why are you being so positive, Cam? And I was just like, well, there's bigger things in the world than than rugby, I guess. So, yeah, that, that helped massively in a weird way. So, yeah, it was tough, but I came back, got back fit uh, after eight months, played my first game of fly off, which was weird because I couldn't even see the, the other side of the pitch with the, with the fog in La Rochelle. And um, then the second game again, I did my neck, um, which was tough because I was like, again, why is something, just not wanting me to play rugby here, like, I'd play. I've been out for eight months, and then I was out for another four. So yeah, last season was tough. But again, the whole time I was just thinking, all right, I'll just next year, next year, next year, it'll be all right. So now it was all, it was all right. Um, obviously, never nice to be injured for a long, long time. But again, it's part of the part of the, the game we play, unfortunately. And I'm just one of those unlucky people at the minute. Which uh, a lot of people remind me that it will come good, and I'm just getting them out of the way. So I'm just hoping that's the case. Yeah, it was
0: Henry, your friend, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, Henry Foster.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, obviously, I'm really sorry to hear that. Now, with those sorts of things, are you the type of person that channels that energy, be it grieving or sort of feeling a bit low, a bit frustrated, into the work, the dedication? So you 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 hit your rehab maybe even doubly hard because of um, everything else that came alongside it.
2: Uh, yeah, I guess I, I guess it was tough, obviously, because he was a good friend of mine and and uh, you know very close to him, but. It was, yeah, I guess I just made me feel that like my rehab was obviously important and I just needed to get right because he was always so supportive of my rugby. So I was there like if he was here, he would be talking to me, telling me to come on. It'll be all right. You'll be good. Like I'm so like, you know, I'm, this is going to go well and all that. And I was just thinking like the whole time that it all, my, it's not that bad for me. Like I've got it good. I'm still a professional rugby player. I'm still enjoying my life. I'm still enjoying you know everything going on. So it was kind of like that. And then when I was just going through all these tough injuries, it was kind of just like it'll come, it will come good at some point. And just when it when of that is when that is going to be is just going to be um that's what I don't know. So it will at some point, but I just have to keep going and keep going and keep going. And it will become good. And obviously so far this season it has been good. Obviously I'm still getting used to playing. I've got like a few <laughs> bits of sore shoulders and things like that. But um it will, I guess that's nothing compared to what I have been through the last year or so.
1: Do you ever worry when you have those periods that you're injured that
2: you're not going to come back
1: and be the same player that you were before and or or is it that the rehab is done in such a way that you you can then be confident that everything's going to work one hundred percent when you do get back
2: yeah you know i I guess there's always those doubts when you have like a one day when it's just not going well or you, you don't feel good. And you have those days, and that's the one thing that if like everyone who I've ever spoke to or anyone asks for advice on long-term injuries, I'm just saying I like embrace those days because they do happen. And if you bottle them up and start like going, oh, this is not going to be the same, I'm not going to be this, I'm not going to be that, or you go, I don't know if I can do that, I don't know if I can do this. That's when you start to kind of doubt it. I never did that as much because I've done an ACL before, so I knew what it was like. I knew all the things that I should be feeling. I knew what helped me. I knew what wasn't good for me. And like one weekend, if I'd gone out and had a few beers that weekend, even if it was two beers and my knee came on, on Monday and it was sore and swollen, I know why. So I know what I should and shouldn't be doing and stuff. So for me, like I knew exactly what I should and shouldn't be doing the whole time. So I'm one of those people, if you tell me to do it, I won't go half-hearted, I'll just do it. And if it doesn't feel right, and that's, I'll, I'll find out from it, if you know what I mean, which sometimes is really good, but sometimes it's not good. That's probably why I've been injured a lot. Uh, but the physios, if they're telling me I can do it and they're saying that's normal to feel like that, then I'd give it a go and, and then I'd talk. But this rehab for my this knee, sorry, the second one was a lot better. I was better at going, mm, I'm not sure about that, mate. What do you think about this? Because I've done it in the past. Whereas the first time I did it, I probably just went, all right, I'll give it a crack and then I'll be, oh, that hurt. Mm, that's not good and then I'd try it again because i see if it hurt a second time a week later but yeah no, I, I uh, obviously have those days when you're down and you're feeling like oh, what if I'm never the same what if I'm like this but like it, it takes time uh, my first one took me two years to feel a normal knee again my right knee still doesn't feel normal but it's been nearly 18 months now so it won't feel normal for a while and I think if you accept that and understand that then once you accept that you start to feel normal again which is weird and again with when i do my rehab stuff and my, my recovery stuff i do start to feel a bit more normal and i start to feel better about it so then when you go into training you do feel better so yeah i guess you do have those days but overall it's all how you uh, look at it and if you look at it like i'm gonna have down days i'm gonna have days where it just does feel a bit
0: like bad then you're gonna have that so yeah no it's good did you use a tens machine With your ACL Um, reconstruction, yeah.
2: So I I, had this thing. I had for both times. I had a a complex,
0: yeah,
2: um, thing. Yeah, I had them. Use them early stages to just to you know get the muscles developing. All sorts of things I've used. I've got my house is like a gadgets house now with all these recovery equipments. Because my girlfriend comes over and she sees it, she's like trying them all out. And when her (laughs) friends or my mum and dad come over, they're all trying it out. So it's quite it's quite funny.
0: It's got, the tens machine is a good one to be fair because yeah, yeah. for p- listeners that don't know at home it's you put electrode pads on the muscle insertions and it basically makes the muscle cramp essentially and for my acl that my tens machine was an absolute godsend i know that cristiano ronaldo uses them for his abs or in, well, in my, my yeah my
2: little brother tried it on his abs the first time he ever used it yeah is he, he looking more shredded is,
0: is, is he looking more shredded now He didn't look any different. No, no, I think the
2: beers got the better of it, to be honest.
0: (laughs) Going back to what you said about the beers and your knee feeling worse, was it? the actual beer that made the knee feel worse or the actions that resulted from said beer making me uh, feel worse and <laughs> uh, no,
2: i think it's probably well the, obviously the beer isn't ideal for when you've got a long-term injury but for me like i was pretty sensible with it the whole time you, you pick and choose your moments and if you go for beers on a friday then saturday and sunday you've got to be really sensible and get it right because of monday you'll have to rehab again but like I think most people do in long-term rehabs, you just pick your times and you've got to be quite sensible and limit them, which is obviously a shame for 21, 22-year-olds who've got a out of eight months, you can only have a few a few occasions where you can really uh, have some beers or or enjoy yourself in that sense. you just got to pick the moments. But I guess it's part of being a professional athlete. You've got to kind of
0: be uh, look after your body a little bit more than essentially a uni student. In terms of resilience, last question on um, the yeah. injury front. I know one piece of advice that is always given when people get knocked down by something is it'll get better you just gotta hold on and yeah. one thing I've found is you do get slightly fed up of hearing that you know yeah. it'll get better you gotta hold on you rise up and then get knocked down again and sometimes you're three steps further back than where you were yeah how have you been able to channel that optimism in the I know you spoke about perspective but how else in terms of support systems or in terms of Daily practices you've been doing to channel that optimism and make sure you keep yourself going. Um, I just talk to the right people who know me
2: and know what I've been through. For me, like you, always find yourself people who haven't spoken to you for a while. They're going to say the same thing. Oh, how's your knee getting on? How's this going? How's your neck? How's your shoulder? And obviously, like it's nicer than to ask and stuff. But you know, as it is when you've got a long-term injury, if, if someone who you've not spoken to for a while and you've got to explain, oh, I've got this. It's now niggling with this, and now I can't do this it can be a can be quite draining so uh, when when i initially just understand the first kind of week or so of me having an injury everyone's gonna go you're all right what's so, but i just um i surround myself with the people who who understand me as a person as well as understand what i'm going through so the physios i work with here they get me really well i mean obviously i've worked a lot with them this last year so they get me but they understand what what will make me tick that day they understand what 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 doesn't really work for me how to keep me motivated because if i'm being honest i'm not a big i hate the gym and i have for the whole time of my career i've hated it um but the last year the physios have got me and in a situation you know mitch and chris the guys who worked a lot with last year have got me not enjoying the gym because i still don't enjoy it but they've got me doing it every day consistently and like giving it my all with it which in the past i probably i'm a back some backs just we don't really like it so, yeah, um, I think just surrounding yourself with the people who are are there and also understand the people asking you if it's all right, how's it getting on, how what is it? they're not doing it to be you know annoying or nasty. they're doing it because they care, so when you get over that, obviously sometimes you are just like, yeah, it's all right, and just quite blunt, and then I think in a rugby environment again it's probably um it's quite easy to to understand because everyone goes through these things everyone understands oh he's in a long-term injury I won't ask him every day how it's going I'll ask him maybe once a month or every two weeks or I'll text him when he's at home so he doesn't have to reply right now things like
0: that they get it quite quite quickly in uh, in this environment because a lot of boys are out for a while For some reason and I mean this as a compliment I didn't have you down as someone who hated the gym yeah I hate it <laughs> absolutely hate it I, I don't know why. I'm surprised by that. But I've, I mean, I've got a question about the gym in the quickfire question section. So we'll get to that in a second. Um, I always well, do it, but I don't like it. Yeah. OK, well, we'll, we'll find one exercise you like <laughs> at the very least. Cameron, we'll take a break from rugby. It's time for your rugby, uh, random rugby 15. 15 quickfire questions. When you're ready, we'll get going.
2: Yeah. I'm, yeah, whenever. Nickname. Go. I've got a few. Josh Matavesi gave me these. all of these. So, uh, <laughs> my dad's nickname was Brush, uh, so Brushy, or because was Brian, it was Brushy, yeah. Uh, so, Josh Matavasi came up with Dustpan, uh, oh, Dustpan nice. and Brush. I've also got Mr. Bean because uh, Josh Matavasi called me Mr. Bean once and then it stuck. I've also got Brushy, the odd person calls me Brushy just because that's my dad's nickname. Uh, and I guess Cam's also a nickname because I'm well, I'm Cameron.
0: I'd read Boom Boom.
2: No, that's not, that's, that's not, I don't know where that's come from. That's I think a myth. That my dad's is nickname it? was like Basil
0: Brush, so yeah, I know. I don't know if that's maybe why. People think that, but it's not. I've never been called Boom Boom. That's a myth. All right. Well, we can <laughs> yeah. we can publicly shoot that down now. Everyone yeah. in the crowd, stop calling Cam Boom Boom. Dustpan or brushes? The other <laughs> best rugby memory. I
2: guess I've got two. So one, obviously, schoolboy rugby was unreal. I loved it because it's just like that. Like, you have so much fun. So winning Rosalind Park at Sedber was uh, was up there with one of my best memories. Uh, but I guess also my debut for Scotland. Yeah.
0: Most embarrassing rugby memory.
2: Oh. I think it would probably have to be when I was like fifteen, playing for my my first team at school. I went and scored a try under the post. And we had like a final of like the Cheshire Cup, it's called, and um, I did like the ash splash, and I uh, really hurt my shoulder, and I had to come off. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I thought you were really gonna talented. say you. I thought you were gonna say you dropped the ball, and no, I
2: didn't drop it. I scored it, but I hurt my shoulder, and my dad was fuming because I like showed off,
0: hurt myself, and then. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't good. Oh, I'm guessing that's the last time you did that. <laughs> yeah, never. It's not never what you deserved that, I think. <laughs> yeah, I thought. Well, back
2: when I was 15, I thought I was Chris because I felt quick then, but it just slowed down a bit.
0: <laughs> so is that made it you, you don't feel quick anymore? Basically, so you don't <laughs> need to do the splashes. I
2: don't do the ass splash anymore. <laughs> pre-game tune. I actually don't really have a pre-game. I am. Um, it's one of the things that the club that a lot of the boys kind of you know. I. I kind of don't understand is I, I'm very similar to what I'm like every day just before the game. I don't really have like a pre-game ritual or, or any like song. Some, di- some days if I want to listen to music, I listen to music. Uh, some days I just, just do nothing and just embrace it. Uh, depends on if I'm fit all the time, then it's more so I can just listen to music because I see that, you know, everything all the time. But recently or when I've not been fit for a while, I like to embrace it and just talk to people um, and experience it because I guess it's only your career goes so quickly. I've already done four. This is my fifth year now, and I've been injured for probably two and a half years of that. So, I don't want to waste any more memories, and just I want to embrace it all and see everything and and watch everything that's going
0: on. Wow, that's a very good answer. Justifiable. I was about to make my case for if you listen to music, you maybe would start enjoying the gym, but <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to argue. I do with like
2: music, topic. but I just just before a game, it's just kind of I just I don't know. I just like to be around it and invite you know embrace it.
0: All. Yeah, 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 no, I, I hear that. Post game meal.
2: I like a burger. To be fair, so like a Five Guys, a McDonald's burger, whatever, really, just any burger. Best player you've played against? I played against some good players. I guess someone like actually, I guess someone who I find hard to play against is probably like a, a Manu, an Ollie Lawrence, uh, or a Semi radar just because they're all they can do offloading straight through you, step you, all sorts. Um, so I'd probably say one of them. But I guess also. Marcus Smith's not easy to play against, and AJ McGinty's another one. He's not quick, but he's very. He's dummied me a few times at sale when we we're in training, and I swear to God, I I fully thought he passed it. So I ran about ten meters, and I then realized he'd dummied me and run through it. So I guess one of those. I've I've not got one best player you've played with. Marcus Smith's up there. Finn Russell's up there. Toby Falatao is probably the one to, to being a forward. I think he could be a back quite easily, and. Yeah. I've never seen a, a a number eight pick and go from the base of a scrum, make thirty meter line break, uses the weak foot to chip and chase, catch it, offload, and we scored. Uh, so I think Toby's got to be, yeah, Toby's got to be probably the best player to play with. I
0: suppose he's probably given his injury struggles as well, and what he's managed to do, he's probably a decent source of inf- inspiration to have around as well.
2: Yeah, he's he's the most humble guy I've ever met as well. So, like he just kept himself to himself a lot. He was very chatty and, and friendly, but he um, for how good he was, you you would think he'd. Um, he'd be a bit more gobby, but he just wasn't. He was just so, he just got his stuff done and, and just showed everyone how it was done on the pitch, which is
0: yeah. Just does his own thing in being gun at rugby. Yeah, he was good. Favourite player right now? Hmm. I always love watching Ollie Lawrence and Mark
2: Smith. I played with them growing up and I guess I always love watching them to play. I mean, Tom Roebuck at Sale's is going well as well. He's a, another mate of mine who um, is going well, so, I just like seeing people i play with going well, to be fair.
0: You're very England-centric with all these players. Robux, and he's got a bit of Scottish in him. So. Well, of course, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean, though. But if we're yeah. thinking Southern, North, Southern
2: Hemisphere or... Uh, I love I love Rico Ianni, uh, however you pronounce his second name. He's class. Uh, I yeah. also love Karevi, you know, people like that. But I don't see as much of them. I only see them in international stage, really. So, I guess... I yeah, I, I watch a lot of the premiership stuff so um that's probably why I, I, I see all the all of them a lot. Rugby Idol. So, uh I have a few. There's probably three, I reckon. So, Sonny Bill Williams was the one that I like, I want to be him when I was growing up just from like a young age because he was like, he could offload, he could do everything and he was just, he was just cool. Um, <laughs> but, I, I also used to watch this like when I was a kid. I used to have this like watch these like YouTube videos of like Roger tuivasa and uh, yeah. and um, Sean Johnson. They did like a highlights video together, <laughs> and I, I loved it. I used to watch that all the time. That's rugby league, but I love I just yeah. loved it. So I'd say they're the probably the three that I um I would watch uh, and and
0: yeah I loved it. <laughs> I think I know exactly the video you mean because i used yeah. to watch that it's a joint tribute isn't it yeah you just alternate between two of us second and i
2: started watching that one because i watched um sean johnson in the the rugby world cup uh, rugby league world cup a few years ago and he stepped like it was to win the game he had like a, a goose step and then stepped some yeah. some uh, sam burgess in the last like last like, minute of the game and um from then on i just absolutely loved him and i also love that like, benji marshall um just because like, he could pass kick run he was just class yeah God, that's a name I haven't heard in ages. Yeah, What's he was that? Scottish, you know, as well. Yeah. New Zealand, Scottish. Yeah,
0: that's so true. Favorite stadium?
2: I would, one that I, I haven't played at yet, but I can't wait to just hopefully play at one day is Murrayfield Full. I went and watched uh, actually Josh Bayliss' uh, debut and, and Ewan Ashman. I played and growing up at Sale Academy in Cheshire, uh, but I've obviously been at Bath now for three years with Bayliss. And I watched their game against Australia in, in the autumn last year. And, um, I got goosebumps watching that, just of how, how unreal the, the atmosphere at Murrayfield was before the game and the anthem and everything like that. And yeah, I just, I can't wait to play there. So I think that's got to be up there. Uh, it's probably the one that I'm most excited for, but any French away day is pretty fun.
0: Favourite gym exercise? <laughs> the, the listeners at home cannot see your facial expression right now.
2: Um, one that I'm good at uh, because of my knees is um, a Bulgar- Bulgarian split squat. What
0: the hell? so that's you almost, have your leg yeah no, I, I know what it is and I'm it's, just, it's just psychotic no. someone saying that that's their favourite I,
2: I it's the only one I don't because I've done it so much because of my two ACLs yeah. it's
0: kind of like it's the only one I do and I'm just like I hate it but I'll just I'll do it anyway and I don't mind it it's exhausting though, but you got strong legs, so surely a, a little back squat or something for. I don't like I have a back exercise. squat, front squat in India. Yeah, that's my squat. That's what I do. So. Really, is it? Yeah, I can see why you hate the gym. <laughs>
2: yeah, occupation. If rugby didn't exist, I'd love to think I'd be a footballer, but I wouldn't be. <laughs> I absolutely. I'm a big Man United fan, and I, well, as a kid, I loved football. I played in, uh, loads and stuff, and I was in like West Brom's <laughs> academy as a kid. But obviously the amount of rugby players that were in academies as a kid, it doesn't mean that you would have been
0: one. So I, I don't actually know. We'll go with them. We'll go with footballer. Back, football. back yourself. I mean, I'm not sure you'd want to be a Manchester United footballer right now, but... That's well, I mean, if, if
2: they're going to pay me the money that they get, I'd
0: probably take <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: Superstitions. Uh, I don't I don't have any. Don't really believe nah, it. I'm them. not surprised by that. Rugby law, you would change. Maximum of two resets of a scrum. Nice. Nice. I like that. Best thing about working in rugby—it's been
2: my hobby since I was born, pretty much. And three years yeah. old, I started playing, so I absolutely love playing it.
0: And I guess it's fun. It's like a, I guess it's like a hobby, but I guess we get paid for it. It's nice. Fifteen questions done. Thanks for doing that, Cam. No worries. I just want to ask you a little bit about Scotland. I wouldn't be able to talk about you and Scotland without being able to talk about the choice to play for Scotland. Yeah. Obviously, from England under twenty-two, Scotland. Your dad, Brian, Scotland's former Scotland captain, former Scotland scrum half. No doubt he would have been an influence. I know you've spoken about Stuart Hogg being an influence, but just for people that don't know, speak about the stages and the chronology of that decision.
2: So I got uh, selected in 2018 to go on the England tour to South Africa and I did my ACL, which meant I couldn't go. And at that stage, I hadn't played a premiership game. I'd played a few Prem Cup games. I was still at school. So um, I got kind of selected out of school for that Um and I know obviously it, it was, as, you know, it would have been as an apprentice and things like that. But still for me, obviously coming out of an ACL injury, I never really felt like I deserved it. And I never felt like I I had earned that. Um, and then to go through like a hard year and a half at sale with, after injuries and things like that, I just, I never really found my, my 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 groove in a sense that I actually felt like I deserved it. And, you know, I, I came to the point where it was, I was playing well at Bath and, um, still hadn't really secured the starting spot in the big games yet like it was still kind of between me Josh Matavesi and, and a couple of others and um, Gregor he spoke to me and he was I'd love you to come to Scotland and just you know be in the squad for this autumn international is when the you know the automations cup in, in the in the COVID times and uh, I said to him I was just Gregor the one thing I, I don't want to do again is, is say yes to a, a, a you know a, a squad like and then not feel like I deserve it so I'd prefer if I could just get a few more games than about belt at Bath and find my feet um, and really like find my feet in the premiership and play well so I tried my hardest to, to play well again and started to find a bit of form in the premiership I you know scored a few tries started to play quite well um, and you know I had, I had the conversation with the England, in England people and uh, and all that but it was more you know the Scotland stuff and then Greg he was really really supportive of it and he gave me the options he gave me uh, sorry he gave me like the the time and the space and he he kept understanding it he gave me what uh he kind of wanted from me um and also gave me a little glimpse of what it would be like in camp at scotland um and i just at this stage for me i play my best rugby when i'm happy and enjoying it and and i wanted to to go somewhere where i was going to enjoy it as much as as the way they play and the whole principle of it and i just decided that it would be the right thing for me to go with a Scotland route. My family are all Scottish, like not one of them's English. I'd only lived there pretty much when I was born in France. Um, I've lived in England since I was one years old. And that's the only thing tying me to England. I did Scotland under 16s. And the reason I went to England in the first place was because at the age grade stuff, it's, um, a little bit, uh, I guess a little bit stronger and, and more finance financial benefits for the nation has more financial benefits at that age. So the uh, the, the, the coaching is a little bit better, the the facilities are better, these the whole of everything is a little bit better at the age grade stuff. So it was kind of um, stupid to be living in England and not taking advantage of, of that. And you know, that that didn't mean that I decided at that point that I'm gonna go back to Scotland in when I'm ready. It wasn't that. I, I had no even thought about England, Scotland I was literally just like what will help me as a player so I picked um, do you want to see my physio by the way he's just gone past yeah. Chris come on. <laughs> sorry this is this is the guy who's been with really me me, helping me get through the gym every day
0: hello hello mate how you doing I'm very well how are you good We're thank you the gym. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I've yeah, <laughs> we, well. we've been. To- I've done my ACL twice as well so we've been talking about that quite a lot but no it seems like <laughs> things are going really well which is great yeah Finally, turned a bit of a corner, got him to enjoy it a little bit, which is nice. And it's now keeping yeah. enjoying it. All, 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 <laughs> all the, those Bulgarian incredible. split squats.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, right. that's the only thing I said. Yeah, I good, <laughs> yeah. What's your max on a Bulgarian split squat, Cam? Oh, I don't. I've not done a max one in a while, but I can get quite heavy on them. One sixty-five. I think I one seventy once. Yeah. One seventy for two. One seventy for two. That's quite impressive.
0: <laughs> That's no, quite it's impressive, good, but I've
2: done it for four years.
0: So. Yeah, I know. It's shame uh, it's unfortunately not as much of a flex. Going, I can Bulgarian split squat one seventy for two, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> rather than I can bench one eighty or something like that. <laughs> well, I, can't, I definitely can do that. <laughs> but no, yeah,
2: it's all good.
0: Yeah, all great. It's, good to meet you, much. mate. That's Chris. Oh, thanks for <laughs> introducing him. Um, Sorry, I got distracted. This no, no that's fine. that's fine. One thing I wanted to ask you about. So, you mentioned ACL not allowing you to go on. Was it England under 20s or England under eight, 18s tour? I can't remember what you said.
2: Uh, it was actually the England senior,
0: England um, senior. tour. I oh, went, you got, uh, sorry, I was, yeah, you're right. You got called up by Eddie. Yeah. I remember now.
2: But I also had um, that summer. It was, so, I played in my 20s debut when I was at school. And it was that year, it was either the England South Africa tour with, with the first team or. Um, On the twenties to France uh, in in Bezier, so I had to like at that point I never thought that England stuff would actually be a thing. I thought they just maybe want me to train and then go off for the twenties, and then it weirdly just obviously (laughs) rocked up. I didn't have no idea, and then we won Roslyn Park, and my dad got told that weekend that that Eddie was going to like you know do that. Eddie called me that weekend and was like, "We want you to go on tour," and I was like, "Whoa, really?" And I, I found out. It was really weird. The day I found out that I was announced on the tour squad was when I was at school and in a lesson. And uh, my my, like, head, my boarding house master, who was my PE teacher and like, rugby coach as well, who was a like, really, really good bloke, he, um, he woke me up that morning at 6 o'clock because he knew there was a chance because obviously Eddie had spoke to me. Um, he knew there was a chance, but we didn't know. And uh, he woke me up every morning to be like, Cam, have you got a text? Have you got a text? Oh. And I was like, no, I don't know what you're on about here, like, mate. Calm down. Um, but it was it was funny um, so yeah that was that and again I, I got my I did my ACL like a, two weeks after that so managed to you know it, it, it ended it just wasn't meant to be yeah. but now I'm in a uh, a happy position where I've made to go Scotland you know nearly two years ago now which is mental and yeah happy uh, I'm glad I made that decision because for me again as I, going back to what I was saying was I just need to be happy playing rugby and if I'm happy playing rugby normally the best rugby comes out of me And that was the the thing that I thought at the moment, at that time, was the right thing to do. And,
0: you know, I'm I'm happy I went that way. So do you think that if you hadn't done your ACL at that point, I'd be talking to Cameron Redpath England Centre rather than Cameron Redpath Scotland Centre? Oh, I
2: have no idea. I have no idea at all. I guess injuries and and things, I I never would have been captain, in my opinion, that that year. Um, I hadn't even played a Prem game, so it'd be stupid to chuck me into... uh, You know, an international game uh, against South Africa as well. That You know, obviously, pretty good side. So, um, yeah, I think it was more just to get a little bit of experience under my belt before going into a professional environment, really. And you did it with Marcus Smith a bit. And then, obviously, Marcus didn't get cupped straight away either. So, no, I I think it would have been more just um, a little bit of experience thing.
0: Are you a sentimental person? Um, Not really. Because I was, I'm quite sentimental, and I was wondering just obviously, having donned the England jersey for four years or whatever in the uh, junior age groups to then go from the rose to the thistle, where whether that was a little bit psychologically strange initially. No, not,
2: um, not, not, not really. I am, I'm grateful for like things, but I wouldn't say sentiments. I, I, I like to like my caps and stuff, like I've got. I've got them all and I, my my parents have all uh, framed everything for me and stuff and yeah. I have them through my whole thing I've got all my shirts from like England age grade sale debut bath debut but I just don't really I don't have them out I don't really like that I, I yeah they're just they're hung up in, a, in my wardrobe and they'll stay there and then one day you know hopefully I can show people like my dad when I was a kid I used to love going and seeing all my dad's shirts and he's got like um from 2003 World Cup, he's got this like wooden ball, which is like a solid wooden ball uh, with all the signatures of the captains on. And I guess that's pretty, pretty cool. And I didn't really appreciate that until probably the last few years. It's my debut for Scotland, That this is when I knew I made the right decision for Scotland because my debut, um, my dad drank the the whiskey he got given on his fiftieth cup And I just remember my sister and my brother were sending me a photo of him before and then after he was passed out on the sofa. <laughs> oh, <bless laughs> it. So it was a good day.
1: So I guess one of the reasons you weren't too sentimental about it was because as a kid you always saw yourself playing for Scotland.
2: Um yeah, I mean I, I did for for my whole childhood I never thought of England even being an option um about 16, 17 when, you know, I got the the call from the England. So I was I must have been I was under 16s, and the under 17s, under 18s. Coach it was John Fletcher and Peter Warren at the time. They called me and were like, "We'd love you to come to an England camp." And the sale guys were really keen for me to do it because they 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 pushed that. And it was it again. It was something for my de- development at that time to play a year up, two years up, at age grade and international stuff was was massive, and it would push me massively on. And I'm so grateful I did do that because. I was 16 playing under 18s at Sale um and I was 17 playing under 18s I did everything a year up from the age of 15 so I'm so happy I did that and and again as you as you said there yeah from the age of 3 years old to 16 it was Scotland the whole way and I love rugby so I'd watch England Scotland Wales Ireland France Italy every Six nation's game I'd watch everyone just sit there on the sofa all day watching it and then go out try and play in the garden with my younger brother and absolutely bully him because I was bigger than him. Uh, so I just I was rugby mad when I was a kid and I never ever thought I'd have to make the decision between England and Scotland ever in my in my life. I just I genuinely didn't even think that was a thing until 16, 17. And then I realized oh shit, I'm gonna have to make a decision if I if I get picked one day. But again, I, at that age I didn't think I'd I'd potentially be for a long time, I didn't think it would be at 21, I'd have to make my decision. I thought it might be 25, 26, because I didn't know how old you were when you made your internship. Your I just played rugby because that was what I enjoyed doing.
1: Does it make it all the more exciting to be on the periphery and involved in a Scottish team that's doing so well when when you grew when you were growing up? Obviously, Scotland was struggling quite a lot with the Six Nations. And the Scotland-England Games, when you were supporting... Uh, Scotland must be quite difficult to watch or, or going into school on Monday at least.
2: Um, yeah, I guess it was. I think when I was like, like as I said, when I was like 15, 16, I didn't really ever, or even younger, like 14, 15, I never really supported a team. I just loved like individual players. I remember just loving watching Hoggy, loving watching like Manu, loving watching Owen Farrell, Finn Russell. All of these people, Greg Laidlaw, I loved just watching everyone play. And I just, it was the same. I love watching the French players. I love watching like the Irish. I, I just didn't really, um, and even when I was like, dad was at Sale or Gloucester, I wouldn't support the team. I just support a player. And I used to love like, you know, I remember I told Dave Atwood about it on the, the earlier training this morning about how like Eliotta, the, the centre who was at Gloucester years ago, I used to love watching him. And then when I came to Sale, it was like Sammy Tiatupu and, and Johnny Leota and like Mark Cueto and, and people like that. And I was just there like, God, and even Danny Cipriani he was at sale with my dad coaching there so like it was so strange I used to just love watching players play instead of necessarily a team um, and like people go to me now like oh who do you support Cam And they're like no actually I don't really support a team I don't have a club team like with football I support Man United but with rugby I've never been like oh I support this team it's really weird I guess when you're when you're involved in it you never really find the support of a, a team you just kind of and because dad coached Gloucester I I guess for those years I supported Gosta. and then when he moved to Sale, I supported Sale, and then yeah, it's weird.
1: Yes, he support Bath now.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so my dad. Back to Bath, just very, very quickly. Yeah. Let's look ahead to a couple of weeks well, a couple of days' time at the time of the recording. But you got Wasps on Friday night. Another team that maybe hasn't quite hit the season in the way they'd wanted to so far. Yeah. How are you guys looking into that game?
2: We're we're positive. You know, um, we we've not had the start we wanted. Just. We haven't really necessarily uh, found our our groove yet, um, but it'll come and it's coming. And we're just confident we're we're training well um, and we need to put some wrongs right from last season and I guess it's a new season. We're not really looking last year too much. We're looking at now and and, and what we can do to to get our our first win of the season. So yeah, we're confident. If we get our stuff right and play the bathway, then we're we're really confident that we'll win.
1: Is this the kind of game that you sort of, at the start of the season, see as one sort of a must-win game. In terms of your development, growing back in, hopefully getting to Champions Cup, maybe even beyond that, is this kind of home game against a team that finished uh,
2: ninth? Is
1: that a kind of absolutely, yeah, we've got to win this
2: game? Definitely being, just considering it's a home game, that was something that, that's important for, for us. And, and Johan's brought that in massively. He wants to win all home games. Um, he wants to make the city of Bath. A place where people come, they they respect it, which is 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 really you know the lads love it. Um, so yeah, hopefully hopefully um, we can win this week, and, and we're really confident that we will. We just need to do our our stuff instead of trying to go off script a little bit and and find our groove. And and if we do that, I'm sure we will come away with a win on Friday,
0: and we'll be a, a lot of happy faces around. Just before we wrap up, can I get a score prediction, please? I think it will be twenty seven sixteen to Bath. Twenty-seven, sixteen to Bath. Okay, well, I'll, I'll I'll hold you to that and expect it on Friday night. Looking forward to it. Let's <laughs> wrap up there, Cam. Go well on Friday. Go well in the autumn internationals as well. You know, hopefully, you're you get some good involvements there. And all the best with injury prevention. Mm-hmm. Let's hope and the season ahead. And looking into the World Cup as well. It's been great to meet you. Thank you, I really appreciate that. As always, get yourself a copy of the rugby paper in stores on Sundays, or through our digital subscription, have it delivered straight to you. Brace yourself for a blockbuster weekend of rugby championship action. Next week, we'll be reviewing the tournament as a whole with former South Africa lock Flip van der Merwe.